Assalamu alaikum everyone. This is a very, very exciting episode. We are starting a brand new series. This is not just any series. This is a series that I have been making for a while now. It's been in the works for a minute. I posted about this on my Instagram in September and ever since then, it's just been a lot of work behind it. But I'm so, so happy to say that I can finally launch the first episode, right? So if you don't keep up with my Instagram, which by the way, that is jail time for you because how dare you? Just kidding, I'll let it go, right? It's not that big of a deal. But if you don't keep up with my Instagram, Call In and Talk is basically a series which was also kind of requested by some people who talked about this quite often. They constantly asked for this in particular and so you ask, I deliver, you know, that type of love, you know, you know, just kidding. Um, maybe. So Call It and Talk is basically a series where you guys get to come in and talk to me about whatever it might be. Now, now to address the elephant in the room, you guys are not actually calling in, right? If you saw my Instagram post, which I'm going to read to you right now, basically Call In and Talk is where you guys get a chance to participate in the episode. And since all of you guys are for such different time zones, actually calling in would be very difficult. A lot of my audience is from the UK. And when y'all be calling in, I'd be asleep. So I decided to create a different little layout for all of us. You have to send me a DM on Instagram somewhere, preferably Instagram, a voice note, 30 to 60 seconds max, talking to me about just a general basis of what you're situation is there are no fix questions that are going to be answered in this and if you don't know what that is that's basically like is this permissible is this not permissible type of questions this is more of like an emotional type of talk where we talk about feelings you talk about your current situation not more of like an islamic ruling end and yeah this is really what that is you guys send in your voice notes i put them in this episode i share my advice and we help get the word spread i always 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 wanted to make my podcast and make everything that i do sadaqa so it's like every single person has ever helped me share it spread it or you've just helped me design or do anything with it i want it to help all of us on the day of judgment inshallah and so this was one of the best ways that i was like this is going to be perfect because i can only word things as much as i can try my best to understand you right so you tell me something i can only word it the best of my ability but having some of you guys come on here and share your problems could be the same problem that someone from another part of the world is going through and since someone else in the world might be going through this problem you have just helped them by sharing your problem and i can share my advice i can promise you that my advice is probably not going to be perfect i'm not a genius at this, but I am going to try my best. And so if you are wanting to participate in the call and talk series, this is just the first episode. We're going to have a bunch of more episodes come out, inshallah. How you participate is again, like I said, go on my Instagram, DM me a 30 to 60 second max voice note. Please do not say your name, where you're from, your age. Don't say any personal information. Even if I know you don't say any personal information at all at all don't say your name nothing because i will be putting this in my podcast and i will blast you if you do that i'm kidding no i wouldn't i wouldn't do that but don't say any personal information keep it 30 to 60 seconds max so we can have lots of people share their voice notes in one episode we get a general basis of your issue your problem and where you stand other people that relate to your circumstance can also receive help and that way we are all helping each other and alhamdulillah so the kajaria right who doesn't love a good good deeds right so with that being said, thank you so much to everyone that sent in voice notes for call in and talk. Again, if you want to participate, go on my Instagram. I have a highlight called call in and talk. You can see the rules and everything there. So without further ado, let's get into this. I haven't heard some of these voice notes. I'm going to hear them for the first time with you guys. So let's get into it together and see who has called in and 
talked. Y'all better have. Let's see who it is. Here is our first voice note, and this was actually the first person to send me one, so it'd only be fair if I put them first. The problem that I on the day basis would be just, you know, when you're trying to give advice to someone that you care about or you interact with a lot, or just someone you're not that close with, but you want them to do better, like, they might take the advice the wrong way. Like, they might think, oh, this guy's calling me out. But you're just trying to give advice in a good way, but it's hard to balance the way of giving good advice in a correct way without sounding, like, too harsh. Because they might have the impression that, oh, it's just making me feel bad when I'm sinning, he's just pointing out my sins. But, yeah, I feel like this is a common problem. Just trying to give though in the correct way, I find that really, really hard. Okay, so let's talk about it. So just in case you didn't catch on to what he said, what he essentially said was in the root of everything, how can you give dawah or advice to someone without it kind of seeming like you're calling them out or without it kind of seeming like, you know, you're just putting out their sins. Like, how can we go about that, right? Inshallah, I hope I got that correctly. So this was actually a question that I received on my Q&As as well, on my stories that some of you guys typed out. So let's just talk about this at a general basis. How can you give dawah? How do you talk to someone? How do you guide someone without sounding like a meanie? <laughs> how do you do that? So there's two ways that i go about this i want to also preface that i am not a professional this is just what worked for me in my everyday life okay so i, I guarantee there's scholars out there with better advice obviously but this is just what works for me when i'm talking to a muslim the way that i go about it is if we're having a conversation i try to make sure that my nonverbal communication speaks volume in a positive manner what happens is a lot of times when someone says oh i'm struggling i have guy friends let's say i'm talking to one of my girlfriends and she tells me yeah i have a lot of guy friends so i'm not gonna do oh my goodness you have guy friends don't you know what I'm no what i'm gonna say is i'm like okay i understand you when did all that happen she's gonna tell me oh over time you know it just we became friends oh, really what makes you get along with them so well your non-verbal cues and the way that you talk says a lot if you have this phase where you're like just staring at them like glaring at them and you're like oh my freaking goodness like you're going to hell and then mm -mm, mm -mm, don't do that when you make that face i know you know me and you both know that i know that you know that me and you both know that face that face that we all make when you're just like glaring and you're just like what the hell no don't make that face you gotta look at that person and be gentle okay be calm be soft it again it depends a lot on the situation but if we're talking in a standard situation be very, very patient and don't be that person that makes like an over flabbergasted face when they say something because that instantly draws someone back. A lot of us do it unintentionally. Look at your body language on how they're talking. Don't be that person that puts their hand over their mouth like, oh my god, I'm so shocked. I can't believe you did that sin. No. This person says, I've done drugs before. I have, I'm in a haram relationship. I've done this, 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 and whatever, right? So what you're going to do is, this is what works for me when I talk to other Muslims. And I'm like, okay, so why do you feel that way? Or why do you do what you do? And right when I ask that question, I instantly right after it say, I'm not attacking you. I just kind of want to understand where you stand. Because if I'm your friend, I, it's important for me to understand why you make some of the decisions you make, right? I might not agree with them, but it's still important for me, right? But now when it comes to haram, I'm sorry, I'm not going to agree with you regardless. But I'm going to say to them, I'm not attacking you, but why is that? Like, how did this situation come to be? They're going to tell me, oh, you know, I met this person like this, or I was going through a hard time, so I did this. And then I was like, one of the things that I always say after, I'm like, so do you feel happier now after doing it? 
And I kid you not, bro, people end up walking through their own decisions and this haram stuff that they do on their own. Like, smooth. They literally just walk through it and you don't even have to, like, you know, seem like you are clawing at them. I'm just like, oh, so do you feel happier after it? And a lot of times the answer is no. And if someone does say yes, I'm like, really, you do? I was just, I was just wondering. And then I just kind of throw it out there. I was just like, you know, from the experiences that I've heard and from what I know, blank, blank is haram. And it's not necessarily something you should be doing. I'm not attacking you. I'm just trying to understand your, where you stand about this and kind of, you know, let you know that what you're doing is not right. Sometimes they know and they say, yeah, I know it's wrong. I'm trying my best to stop. Then you say, what are you doing to stop? Again, you, the way that you say all this matters. If you say in a gentle, kind, friendly ma manner, it, it's fine. But if you're like, yeah, so what you doing to stop? Then it's like, whoa, why are you screaming at me, right? So you got to say in a gentle manner, like, okay, so what are you doing to stop? And then if they're like, well, I don't really know what I should be doing. That's where you come in. That's where your advice comes in. That's when you say, yeah, this is haram. And this is what Islam tells us to do to stop this. You know, if you ever need any help, let me know. You can try your best to make sure that this person's implementing those things, but you only have so much of a say, right? Now, if this person says, no, I didn't know this is haram. This is when you educate them that, yeah, this is haram and this is what you can do to stop. The way you say it and your body language through it all changes everything. If I see that someone's getting offended, I always instantly say, I'm not here to offend you or judge you because I'm not going to get anything out of that, right? Like, you're my friend regardless. I would never want to hurt our relationship, but I just want to make sure that you're okay and I think the decision you're making right now is not okay. Does that kind of sound like a kindergarten mommy Mm, mm, depends on how you say it but again like when you are just having that conversation i feel like overall it it really helps to a person because instead of being someone that instantly like gasps and you're like oh my god you're doing drugs or you know you're in a hot arm relationship or you're doing this and that instead of being that person and making them feel even worse and making them feel like there's no hope be the person that helps them walk it through and always let them know that you're not judging them but you are advising them and that's your job okay i know that for some people you're gonna have to be a little bit more stern if they're family sometimes you do have to be a little bit more serious with them and let them know straight up like bro they ain't no need for me and you to act or formal with each other you know that's wrong stop doing it you need help i'm here for you now when talking to non-muslims and i've done this quite a lot the way that i go about it with non-muslims is i let them have a chance to speak and the way that non-muslims and giving da'wah and how all the shahadas have ended up the way that they have, let me tell you the tactic. I always let them talk it out on their own. I always say to them, okay, so what do you believe in? Why do you believe in it? Oh, I believe in Christianity. All right. So how do you feel about blank? And I throw out different concepts from the Christianity. How do you feel about the Trinity? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? I give this person a stage to talk about their beliefs and why they believe in it. Then I present my questions about those religion, genuine questions that I have that I have not found answers for. I throw out those questions and I also share them resources. Not to them, like you could go on Google and get resources from your scholars as well. Like let's have an open discussion. It's very important to look at the mindset of this person. If you're talking to someone and they are just childish, I'm on the right, I'm on the right, I don't want to hear anything. That's like, why am I talking to you? But especially my senior year, I had some friends who were very, very strong core Christian, but we always had very, very open discussions. And at the end of the discussion, they always used to say, Thank you for talking to us. We love having the discussions because it's interesting to know what other people think about. And what shocks them even more is the amount of similarities that we have in regards to the fact that we don't discard Jesus, right? A lot of people have this concept that we do. In my religions class recently, 
our teacher was like, okay, so does the Quran have any mention of Jesus or Mary or Moses or any of those prophets? She was asking the class. The entire class said no. And I was like, I'm a Muslim. I was one of the only few Muslims. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And everyone was so shocked. A lot of people don't actually know these things as much as you think that they do. So setting out a platform, letting them talk about their beliefs and you talking about yours and then you presenting the questions or what, why you don't believe in theirs really helps them to start see it from an outside perspective it's one thing for a person and we learned about this as well and this is actual concept it's you looking inside of you and your religion then it's you looking at your religion from the outside so you need to understand the difference of those perspectives and the way that out that all kind of flows in is kind of letting them talk letting them talk it through then presenting how you feel about it and why you think some of those things are contradictions where are your answers? What are your opinions on this? Slowly but surely, I share like miracles of the Quran, you know, Islam and all these other things. And I tell them like, you know, over time, it's it's a process. It doesn't happen in one conversation. This is something that I work through with months. Like you become friends with a person, you talk to them, you share education with them, you share different knowledge with them. You walk them through the process. Ultimately, just leaving a religion and joining a new one, it's not a one day process. You don't decide one day that, oh yeah, I'm done. Now, if you are someone who is already researching for the past six months, yeah, maybe now, meeting someone would be like your push right getting talking to another muslim would be your push but ultimately it's a process and so be patient with that person and don't like force your beliefs if someone says well i don't know how i feel about that i'm like okay that's 100 understandable we can talk about this then i give it gaps like i let them chill for a bit maybe we don't talk for a day next time we talk so how did you feel about this and where do you stand a lot of times they end up doing research on their own and start to understand that certain topic if they still don't the way that i go about it is i explain it to them and they say i'm still unclear about this i say okay don't worry let's talk about this then like i make sure that we're covering what needs to be covered and if anything's confusing we will come back to and we will talk about it but it's very important in the beginning to at least even understand the basic concept of the shahada that there's one god right so just that whole niche of things so in conclusion when giving that what a muslims and on muslims whether your family or your close friends always try to be very very gentle in how you go about it yes we see some scholars going on a more stern approach which needs to be done with some situations right so your condition is your condition and that's on you but in some cases, you are going to have to be careful on how you word it and make sure that you let this person know constantly that I'm not here to judge you. I get nothing from this. I don't get anything from judging you, right? If anything, I'm sitting here advising you. It's helping. It, I get good deeds. But ultimately, like, it for me, like, I don't... I'm your friend or I'm your family member. Why would I want to hurt you, right? That's one thing. But also don't go for the kill at once. If you're having a deep conversation with someone and like y'all are generally just going for the kill on both sides, okay. But like if you're having like a small little lunch talk with somebody and y'all just kind of drop in the topics, don't go all in and be like, your business is haram, your wife is haram, the way that you dress is haram, everything you have is haram. Bro, chill out. Slowly, slowly. And no one's saying that you shouldn't let them know. You should. It's our job as Muslims to serve reminders and help each other and whatnot, but be a little bit careful. Of course, this is probably not the best advice. May Allah forgive me if I said anything wrong, but a lot of it just depends on the circumstance and the person, right? So I hope that answers your question. I hope that answers anyone else's question that might have that question, right? Okay. Yay. Let's go to the next one. All right. Here's number two. Hey, Assalamualaikum. Um, I hope you're doing well. I live in Houston, where my mom is very toxic and manipulative. Um, my dad is very calm and kind of just puts up with things as much as he can. But, you know, as kids, we feel really bad. And everyone is just like, oh, yeah, why don't you side with your mom when in reality she's the one in the room? And so I would love your advice. I'm like, going about dealing with all this stuff 
Okay. So her voice note had a little bit of background noise, but no worries. Just to translate it for you guys. Toxic mom, household issues, relationships, parents. Ooh, this is scary. Okay, this is this is big. All right, let's talk. One of the things that she really mentioned was, oh, my dad is calm and my mom is the one that's kind of toxic. And as kids, we just put up with it, right? And I think that says a lot. And I'm going to share what I think will help at least the kids that deal with that type of stuff on living in those circumstances. Obviously, you should follow what Islam says in regards to all of this of, you know, respecting your parents and whatnot. Because ultimately, we do all have to answer to Allah and someone else's you know, toxic attributes or whatever, I know that it's very easy for that to get you out of character, but remember that you also have to answer to Allah just as much as that person has to. But on a stepping away from that note, just kind of saying more on an emotional perspective and more just for the kids to get each other, for us children, you know what I feel like? Really, I hate to say this, but I feel like this is just what it is at the end of the night, at least what I feel like I've come to terms with. We've all had those issues. We all have family issues. A lot of us tend to bear the end because our parents have relationships that are very loveless or they're straight up abusive or they're straight up just not even living with each other. The thing that I feel like I've come to terms with it is sometimes as a kid, you just have to be a kid. That's it. I feel like this sense of urgency of I have to grow up fast and I have to remediate everything between my parents and I have to be the referee and I have to stand on the sidelines and I have to make sure it doesn't get bad and I have to make sure that they don't argue. I can understand, obviously, that you want to try your best to help your parents' situation and make sure they're not, you know, ripping each other's heads off and they're not, you know, abusing each other and each other. Obviously, you need to take the appropriate actions when needed if our parents don't take them. But on that same note, I feel like it is so draining being the child that has to fix grown adults, right? As a child, you came here, you were birthed as their kid. You were not here to be their remediator. You're not here to raise them. The reality is a lot of our parents, the way that they were raised, whether that was with both parent figures or with one or with two whatever, whatever you want to say, or they had their aunts raise them, or their grandfathers, whoever. There was a way and something that went on in that time that caused them so much generational trauma. And of course, that also pours into the relationship that they have now with their current spouse. And I get it. We can't sit here and justify it and say that, you know, every single bit of crappy behavior is thrown generational trauma. I, for one, I'm going to be honest with you. I a thousand percent understand that our parents have been through generational trauma. A lot of them are immigrants. A lot of them have built nothing from something, something from nothing. I get it. I get it. 100%. 100%. And as a human being, I get that. But as your child... As your child, what's my fault? What's my fault that you didn't fix your trauma? And I want this to be a reminder for somebody, respectfully. I'm not talking about my parents, just generally. If you are someone who's sitting here saying, I'm so ready to get married, but you haven't faced and fixed your own trauma and you haven't healed yourself as an 18-year-old, I just genuinely, bro, imagine your kids coming up to you and telling you, what is my fault that I have to deal with your generational trauma? What is my fault that I have to sit here and deal with the fact that you didn't pay attention to the things that you should have paid attention to when you were in your early 20s, but you decided that you were so in love that you just decided to go get married, and now I'm paying the consequences as your child about the fact that you didn't take care of yourself. Why am I doing that? What's my fault? I was just born. Y'all, look, I just, I'm, I came 
came out. I came out? All right. Now I'm expecting you to take care of me. I don't want to take care of you. I need someone to love me. I need someone to care for me. Why should I have to do this for you? These are such frustrating emotions. And imagine you are a parent right now and your kid comes up to you and says this. Could you handle that? I know I couldn't. I would go berserk if I ever had a kid tell me that. Not even my kid, if I had some other kid tell me that. Just saying those things feels so, like my voice is cracking, like I can't even, just say those things. But someone has to say them. You never stopped when you knew you had those problems. That's, that's the issue. And us, we're not any better as a generation of kids. We're not doing any better. We see so many people that are heading towards emotional unavailability, that are sleeping around, that are not committing, that are being disloyal. And eventually when you find the one, your ability is gone. Because you've went through relationship after relationship, after sleeping around, after doing all these things that when you finally meet the person, you can't even love them right. Now you decide that since I can't love them right, I'm going to have kids with them and that's going to fix everything. What is the kid's fault? You never stop. Like you never once thought to yourself, wow, maybe I need to fix myself before I throw not just my wife's life down the hill, but my children's and everyone else. You didn't stop. When? Why? Why did you never? Why did it? Oh my god, it makes me so frustrated. Why didn't stopping ever come to your brain? I'm seriously so mad right now. Because this is so beyond all of us, and not even the girl who sent this voice note, because I can understand how she feels is a separate issue, but cumulative, all of us. Why are you not stopping? So many of us are sleeping around, being disloyal, doing things like that, doing haram. Then you meet the person and you decide that I'm going to just pop out kids with them without even knowing anything about them. Well, I know their favorite color is blue. What is that going to do in raising your kids? What is that going to do? Y'all don't talk about the things that need to be talked about. Then you end up in marriages where you have to negotiate every single bit of your breath. And you hate the fact that you're negotiating stuff. But you never had a list of non-negotiables and stuff that you was not going to take from the beginning. Now your kids are sitting here watching you suffer because you are having to suffer yourself. Taking in things that you wouldn't have taken on a normal. Dealing with expectations and standards that you were not capable of or you did not like. Now, all of these rows of people are suffering. Now your children are going to grow up suffering. Now your children are going to grow up thinking that, oh, when my dad hits my mom, it's out of love. So when I get married and I get married to a man and he hits me, it's out of love. Do you see that? Do you see how many lives you're ruining by just not paying attention to yourself? Just stop. Stop it's this desire that our generation has of i don't want to be single i don't want to be alone you're ruining generations with it just stop control your nafs a little bit man up seriously and if you're a woman woman up i don't know control it be a little bit for real and unfortunately with you know girls like her who have to go through things with their parents i don't know their parents circumstance obviously this is just a surface discussion sometimes it's better to just be a kid and I hate to say this, dissociate to whatever degree you can from it. I know that that's not the best advice, but I know if I'm going to be honest with you guys, we can all say, oh yeah, just move out. But a lot of us who've been through in those situations know that moving out is terrifying because you don't want to leave your dad with your mom or you don't want to leave your mom with your dad. You can't make these people divorce, right? You can't make them separate. Again, you're just a kid. You don't have much of a say. Parents are parents. Yes, there are parents, but those parents had a relationship before they had us. And among that relationship, whatever goes on, goes on. There is only so much we're in control of. We can't make them divorce. We can try to tell them that maybe, you know, it's 
getting so out of hand it's so abusive that the best thing for you to do is divorce but how many of our parents listen to us they don't saying oh yeah just get up and move out it ain't that easy because a lot of us know that we're potentially throwing our own parents life in risk but to protect our parents lives from whoever their abusive spouse may be we throw our own lives in risk but if you're someone who's not dealing with abuse and whatnot and it's just the bitter nagging you look at some point as a kid you just gotta be like man this sucks i hate it and i'm gonna try my best to help them but i can't drown because you're drowning you have to be the person that stays above the water you have to be the person that helps them that pulls them out i get it but at one point or another you also have to remember that you have to dissociate from that trauma a lot of us we just take the trauma and we just take it a go like it's gifts some things you gotta reject you can't drink from every cup that's how you get poison i know y'all heard that before and you have to dissociate to a degree and realize that this is my dad's toxic traits this is my mom's toxic traits depending on the situation right in her situation she said her dad's very calm and he puts up with it but depending on your circumstance you have to look at those things and say i know that i can't take those things you have to try your best to pull those people out of drowning water but ultimately even going to therapy i think helps a lot because you have so many things that go on that you don't even know are going on so in that circumstance obviously it's difficult and i feel like there's not a set answer for anybody because it's kind of like you can't make them separate you don't want them to separate you don't want the household to get ruined if if abuse is in the picture obviously you want them to separate but if they don't do it they don't do it obviously you can have any mom or someone knowledgeable come in to try to remediate stuff and you know get them to go to marriage marriage therapy or stuff among those lines but go to counseling but how many of our parents would actually agree that's another thing that's a discussion you're gonna have to try to put into them and try to help them understand that it's good to seek help and it's good for y'all to fix your relationship but some relationships have run its course and when you choose to hold on to them when they have run its course it becomes a bigger issue for everyone around you just it's a lot but sometimes as a kid i feel like what i've found comfort in and what i've seen lots of other people find comfort in is realizing that there's not much i can do besides try my best to help but at that point I'm just a kid and I I shouldn't I don't deserve to ruin my life because you didn't fix yourself I love you and like I can love the fact that you're my parents and I can love both of you and I love all that they've you know that you've probably done for me but I can't ruin me because you didn't choose to fix you and again this isn't like to any parents in particular so not to her parents or like mine speaking in the context that I was earlier just generally speaking it's a lot and i know it's not easy constantly make dua that's obviously one of the things that always helps some situations are like tests that continue and continue and continue in our life and you never know if those tests and bearing through those things is what gets you jannah but remember that there's a difference between having sabr and dealing with oppression under the name of islam right there's there's a difference so ah besties we just hold trauma dump together do we not we just all collectively just released all that trauma together the vibes are feeling very very low they're not feeling low i'm kidding it's just feeling a little bit very heavy-hearted and this was not what i was expecting for a sunday morning at 1 p.m now my heart is racing because that was terrifying this calls for a water break let's see what our next voice note is all right let's dive into our third one oh my god i love this concept this is so awkward to do um I was hoping you could talk about something that isn't really talked about enough, which I think is um, people who come from families who really aren't that religious at all, who don't pray, and like the, the struggles that come with that. Because trust me, there are a lot, and how painful it is to not have anyone pray with you, to have to wake up forget by yourself, and the pain that comes with realizing that one day, if they pass away as gaffers. 
Astaghfirullah, then you won't be able to pray for them like your own mother. And how painful that is to watch him go down this path. Um, also, this is quite random to the point, but how to handle anger and how to deal with anger. Um, yeah, so, assalamu alaikum, I hope you're well. And if you add this in the podcast, then thank you so much. Um, I don't want to make it too long, but just to add on to that, like, living with a difficult family in general, like a really, really difficult family. I can't explain it all now because I only have like 30 to 60 seconds, but yeah. Okay, that was our second, third one, third one. I want to make sure I cover everything, so let's start off with the concept of dealing with family that might not be as religious. So whether you come from a revert background or you are Muslim and your family just isn't that religious, I know it's very difficult to see it play out because they haven't tasted the sweetness of Iman. They have no clue why you're praying, why you're doing what you're doing so consistently, why you are striving for the deen. In their eyes, you just seem religious or extreme or doing too much when it might just be the bare minimum or it might just be that you're trying your best and they perceive it types of ways. So how do you deal with that? Here's how I feel like I've come to terms with it. Allah guides whom he wills. And if Allah guided me, right, and I can't say, I feel like it's so difficult to sit here and say, yeah, Allah guided me, because I think that we're all like in need of guidance always. But just saying like in this scenario, right, Allah has guided you, Allah has guided me. And if he hasn't guided the people around us, does that mean that I take his guidance and I throw it out the window and I say, well, I'm the only one guided. I'm the only one doing anything, so I'm not going to do nothing at all. Mm-mm. I can't be the person that takes all that, throws it out the window and says, well, I'm the only one who's praying. I'm the only one that's waking up for Fajr. I'm the only one who's doing those things. And I shouldn't do them at all because no one else is doing them. Right. And now this sister in particular, I know that she's not doing that, but speaking on a surface where I have seen this happen with other people where they say, well, I was the only one waking up to pray Fajr. I was the only one waking up to pray. I was the only one caring about the deen in my house. And it got me so frustrated to the point that I was like, I'm through with it. I'm done. And they became just like their family was. And it's so important to remember that if Allah has guided you, take blessings and advantage of that take care of that every day don't let the fact that other people around you that are not been guided influence the fact that you have been guided right at the end of the day we can't speak for everyone who's been guided and who hasn't but from what it seems inshallah allah continues to guide us but remember that right now you might be the guided person and allah can guide your family in time being and when the time comes when time is right right so when the time is right it happens when the time being it's right whatever you want to call it When it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't happen in that unfortunate scenario, one of the things that I think that you should very, very much think more about is, well, I'm guided, so let me try my best to make dua, to constantly, constantly, constantly make dua to Allah, to constantly, constantly, constantly worship Allah, that inshallah one day, hopefully on the day of judgment, maybe Allah will have mercy on them. Obviously, we're all going to have to take an account of our burdens and what we've done. And obviously, you know, we can't just go off of, you know, thin air. We're all going to have something to fess up for, obviously, right? And that's obviously going to play a role. But inshallah, if God wills, who knows? Your du'as might be the thing that changes everything if Allah wills. I know that it's not easy because you will face lots of judgment and lots of the times your family will be like, oh, quit being so religious. Why do you have to get up and go pray? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? They'll make fun of you a lot, which is also very, very common and sad when families are like, oh, you're too young. You don't know anything. Well, 
you might be old, but you still don't seem like you know what I'm on. So at that point, I feel like the thing is you can't disrespect someone and disrespect your parents and say, well, I know about the scene and you don't. You never know. Maybe today you're guided and tomorrow you won't be. Maybe today they're not, but they might be. So don't ever get arrogant about the fact that you are the only one doing it. I'm not saying the sister in particular, again, just generally, but for this sister in particular and other people that might be going through the exact same situation as her, don't let the fact that other people around you are not doing it stop you. Keep praying, keep doing what you're doing. I know it's difficult coming from such a background because that feeling of loneliness is just something that you don't like, that feeling of not having anyone else to pray with you, not having anyone else that worries about the deen with you, I understand. But take those moments and constantly, constantly, constantly tell yourself and write down and really internalize these things and learn these things that this, when I have my own home, when I have my own family, I won't be doing these things. Was it this so-and-so-and-so, ABC, XYZ, that brought your family away from the deen? Was it this? Was it that? Is it that sometimes, you know, some families, they're just so consumed in watching TV, going clubbing, doing different things, that it just completely takes them away from the deen? Whatever it might be, you know those things, you keep those things, and you are, you know, on the watch, especially when it comes time for you to have your own family and your own kids, and you know that I'm going to prevent these things from being even entered into my home, and I'm going to prevent these things from happening. I know it's not easy, but constantly make dua for Allah to guide them and have them on the same page as you. But don't belittle them, guide them in a loving manner, you know, because sometimes what happens is when we are becoming more pious or we're trying to become more righteous, we become stern and bitter in a negative way. Becoming more pious should not make you bitter. It should not make you mean. Don't become a mean person towards them, you know. I know that what they're doing, in theory, it's wrong and they shouldn't, you know, be disobeying Allah and not praying and whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you put on this image of being even more mean, it doesn't help someone like that right of course gentle guidance constantly constantly talking to them is going to help i want to throw one more important note in here a few days ago i went to a halakha that a mufti had and the mufti came and i didn't think much of the halakha i was just like okay like i can drop in between classes and go to the halakha and i couldn't even stay for the whole thing and the halakha was about i think it was like five tips to become a better muslim while you're going through like school and whatnot and one of the things that he said in the halakha that just stabbed me it was among these lines he said i always have mothers come to me and tell me oh, i'm telling my son to pray i'm telling my son to pray i'm telling my daughter read quran i'm telling her to do this they're not doing it mufti tell me what to do what should i say what should i do and we see that with other people too that they're like what's the wazifa tell me something i need my kids to start praying and he said do you read Quran? Do you pray? Because if you are a mother and you're not reading Quran and you're not praying and you're not doing this, children learn by seeing, children learn by action. And if you're not doing those things, saying them is not going to change much. The kids will grow up and say, well, I never saw my mom reading Quran. I never saw my mom praying. I never saw my mom doing any of those things. Let that sink in. So remember that. Remember that even for when it comes time for you to create and build your own home. It's very easy to sit here and throw things out in thin air and say, pray, get up and go pray, go read Quran. But children learn through examples. Children learn through seeing. The same way that if a child watches TV and they see a certain cartoon, 
talk a type of way, act a type of way, they start to copy it. They start to say the same phrases. It's the same thing here. If you are a parent, you're not reading Quran, you're not praying, you're just saying it to your kids. Kids learn by action. And if you want to raise righteous children with proper tarbiyat at a young age, it starts off by their environment and what they see. Now, I know I have some mothers that are listening that are like 40 plus. I promise, I prom my advice is probably not good enough for you because I'm a random 18 year old who's never been married and has no kids. But that is just my two cents on that. So, inshallah, I hope that, hope that. Please just be persistent and be patient with yourself. I know that it's difficult. And the same thing that I said earlier, just because everyone is drowning doesn't mean you drown too to save them. Sometimes you have to be above the water and that's how you save people. I think the other thing this person also mentioned was tips on how to not get angry and like control your anger. And that's something that we all go through. Obviously, you know, saying bismillah, doing zikr, calming down, doing wudu. We're also told that if you're standing, sit down, you're sitting, you know, change your position, whatnot. All of those things that we learn from Islam, but also some other side notes. There's this one quote, and I've said this quote so many times that it's engraved in me. I've, this quote, you might as well write on my forehead. Like, I love this quote to the core of my heart. And if you listen to me frequently, you know who this is by. Ibn al-Qayyam, speech is your prisoner, but once it leaves your mouth, you become its prisoner. This broke engrave it in your brain bro i put this in my brain bro like oh my god life hasn't been the same every single time you're angry just think about that whatever i'm thinking all those mean thoughts man i hate this person how dare they say it? i don't know let me argue back wait till i throw this out there whatever you're thinking all of that is your prisoner you control it the second you decide to open your mouth now you're paying the consequences for what you said out of anger it ain't worth it. The stuff that you see out of anger never really ends up well. It doesn't. And then you spend a lifetime trying to fix it and fix relationships because of the things that you said out of anger. Speech is your prisoner until you open your mouth. Now you become its prisoner. So be wise. You don't want to be a prisoner to your own speech because you couldn't control it. Now, of course, getting a little bit angry and all that is natural, but always just think like solid at least like 10 seconds before you've got to say it, right? Because when you're in a heated discussion with somebody, like, it's just back to back. Be like, how necessary is this? Like, will I say this and instantly regret it? If so, let me just shut up and keep going, right? Sometimes that's, what, that's just how it got to be. So we have more call-in and talks voice notes being sent, alhamdulillah, which we will be sharing in the upcoming episodes. If you sent one and I didn't share it, don't worry, I will be putting yours in the next upcoming episodes. I wanted to make sure to really, really elaborate and talk about those topics so anyone else around the world that's going through those problems can also benefit from them. But I hope that all the advice that I gave was a little bit helpful at the slightest. Maybe it wasn't. I know that every single situation is different and I also know that it's not, you know, set in stone for everybody but this was more of like a general basis just generally for everybody i highly encourage you guys to participate and send in a voice note this is going to help so many people around the world inshallah 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 if god wills if god wills inshallah because i have no say in this it's all about if god wills so may allah bring baraka to this season this series i mean so say i mean i know you didn't say i mean say i mean did you say Amin? Say Amin. Okay, good job. Amin. So, 
inshallah this works out and if you want to send a voice note please do you never know if the issue you're facing is something that other people are facing i know some of these i heard a lot before through other people on my discord or through other girls or just other places i've heard this a lot so inshallah i pray that whatever i talked about in here helps other people if i said anything wrong may allah forgive me for my shortcomings because i have a lot of those may allah forgive me thank you so much for listening i'm so happy to have this series and i'm so happy to have you guys be a part of it Please send in some stuff. Let's have fun. With that being said, please forgive me if I said anything wrong. Take care of yourself. Asalaamu Alaikum.